Welcome back, Wildcat Faithful, to the Wildcat Radio Podcast. My name is Ronnie Stoffel, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Adam Green. Adam, the hiatus has ended. How you doing, man? Good, good. It's happy to be back on the air talking whatever we're going to talk about tonight. I know we have a wide variety of things we plan on discussing, and I can't wait to get into them. It's the off-season, right? So, I mean, we're just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I hope so, people uh, missed us, at least. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so. I know, you know, Rob, Rob and Brian, they, they, they really jumped into some hardcore numbers and uh, maybe some analytics stuff there. Some uh, the, the beta rank model that uh, the, the Rob threw together. So I know uh, for some of the non Daryl Morey's of the uh, of, of the world, <laughs> maybe they don't necessarily appreciate that too much. So we're going to throw we're going to throw a little pop culture your way, obviously touch on uh, some headline news for uh, Arizona basketball. And then we will circle back to the beta ranks, um, but not into the level of detail that Rob and Brian took care of uh, while Adam and I were away for a little bit. So, uh, Adam, uh, housekeeping items here just before we dive in Wildcat Radio podcast. Uh, please subscribe. You can do so through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, basically any podcast catcher, right? Uh, and while you're out there, please leave a review. Uh, that definitely helps us with all the rankings. That that helps uh, and anyone searching for Arizona Sports Podcast. That that helps them. Uh, that helps uh, Wildcat Radio get thrown to the top of that search result. So that does us a huge favor. As far as social media goes, be sure to follow Wildcat Radio on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ, the Facebook page as well. And of course, our our website, wildcatradioaz.com. That is the exclusive home of all the written content, the beta ranks, and, uh, and these podcasts, right? So without further ado here, Adam, uh, the pop culture. So obviously, you know, this is probably now a couple weeks too late, um, but I think it's still a very hot button topic here. Uh, Game of Thrones. So the last time we recorded, Adam, it was after the second episode. And we were, you know, I was sitting here saying, I really, I'm kind of bummed that we haven't seen much carnage or really any carnage up to that point. And then the third episode happened. Which and maybe for a lot of people still wasn't enough carnage. It was enough for me. I'll, I'll be honest. And, and I know you and I were kind of texting leading up to that, too, uh, where I, th- I think the article came out actually just as we had posted the recording we had um, that it was that it ended up being like the longest battle in TV or movie history or yeah. something like that. Was that right? Yeah. So it was um, cool. I thought I thought it was really cool. And when I saw that, I was thinking like, oh, man, this is this is the the ultimate case of be careful what you wish for, because this might be kind of tough to watch. And and honestly, luckily, it wasn't too too tough to watch. I mean, I definitely I'll say this. I did expect maybe some higher profile characters to go out in that uh, in, in that third episode. Wasn't the case. Right. It was some of those lower mid tier uh, f- uh, faces that, that everyone's familiar with. Um, but, but as far as, you know, like, like the, the, the main characters, everything stayed intact through that third episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to do a, a week by week breakdown because that's, I mean, that's really old news by this point. Uh, Adam, if, if we fast forward, it, it sounds, it sounds like you appreciated, uh, that, that, that week three, week three here, I'm in football mode. Uh, the, 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 the third episode of season eight, it sounds like, you know, you appreciate that. I mean, did, did you have any gripes or anything with it? No, but I also have a 4k TV, so it wasn't too dark for me. Uh, I guess like a lot of people complain about, but I guess we can almost do this, not just the third episode, but the entire season and the way it finished up. I know game of Thrones, it was always the expectation. Like they would surprise you with deaths, right? Where it would just kind of come out of nowhere where a key character or someone would die a gruesome way or just however it happened. And that would be the surprise. And it's almost like they reversed it in the final season where the surprise was how some people didn't die. Like I know we talked about after episode two, it's like they are setting up every character to be like, well, they had a good run. This is their farewell night. <laughs> you know, everybody's all happy and getting what they wanted. And it's like, they're going to die. And a lot of yeah, them right. did, at least not immediately. So, no, I mean, that third episode, I thought it was great theater. You know, the Night King, how that went out. I think that was a surprise. And mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, if you watch the, I guess the behind the scenes of the documentary that was on this past weekend, like even the actors were surprised. And they were so excited when they read that and realized, you know, that it was going to be Arya doing that. So, yeah, I think that was cool. That was a fun moment in the show. I liked all the 
Aria Jordan shirts that the people were buying or selling. I thought those <laughs> were pretty neat. But no, I had no real issues with the episode, but I'm also really easily entertained. My buddy actually just told me about the, uh, the, the, the documentary, you know, after, after the fact and when they dive into all of the reading sessions and everything. So I need to, I'm, I'm not up to speed on that one. That sounds okay. really awesome though. And I'm definitely, I'm going to watch that. Um, but no, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I felt like that, that third episode was solid, right? I mean, I, I certainly didn't have any issues with it. Uh, Adam, if we fast forward to the finale, however, I know that, uh, and this is where, I mean, look, social media, there were, there were plenty of gripes about the season or the series finale. I personally didn't have that big of an issue with it. I mean, I think that the biggest issue that I had with it was it was a bit underwhelming, right? Very anticlimactic, right? Yeah. Um, aside from that, though, I didn't necessarily think that it's like, well, how else like my, my, my counter to everything that I was seeing on social media. And, and by the way, I mean, social media just compounds criticism, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, it's just like everything is just, you, yeah. one person complains then that just is a wildfire and everybody just compounds the matter. My, my criticism to that criticism, or I guess you say the counter would be, well, how would you have done it differently? Right, right. now, if if, 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 if the argument is, yeah, okay, they, they ran out of time and you know, they packed on too much of their plate. Like I get that. That's fine. Um, but I mean, really, yes, like the Cersei ending, uh, you know, the way Cersei went out, that's fine. I, I, I was expecting a little more there, uh, even Danny, right? Like I, I expected more there, but again, it's not necessarily like something went wrong, right? Cause Cersei had to die. It had to die after what she did in that second to last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the way it kind of worked out was just, you know, really no evil was left. Right. And, and, and the Starks and, uh, and Jon Snow, like they lived on happily ever after. Right. They, they, they regained control of Westeros and that's it. It's More just kind of underwhelming. I, yeah. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think a lot of people's complaint with it wasn't where it ended, but just how they got there. You know, maybe have a two or three more episodes to kind of flesh out the Danny turning story. And like, cause you could say, and I think they did in, I always watch the post show, like recap that the, directors did and everything and they're like you know with all the people that danny lost you know she lost sir jor and Missande died and she lost another one of her dragons so by the time she just snapped but at the same time it's like everything up to that point like they showed inklings of her having those tendencies but she always kind of drew it back so why at the moment where she got what she wanted where king's landing surrendered you know she killed the golden companies torched them she had everything she wanted and she hears the bell ring and says all right now I'm, i thought maybe she's going to fly to the red keep and burn that down but she just decides to torch the whole city like yeah like so it might have been nicer to know kind of why it got to that point why she went so bad so quickly seemingly mm-hmm. but i think I mean, you're right I, how they ended it is like yeah that makes sense if they went mm-hmm. that way you know i didn't win my uh, game of thrones betting pool I was wrong on a lot of things that I predicted to happen or not happen, but I think everyone I, was. I didn't hate where they got, but how they got there, I think the road to get to that finale could have been maybe a little bit more meaty if they had a couple more episodes. Why they decided to pack it in like they did, I don't think we'll ever really know. But yeah. overall, yeah, like how did people want it to end? Like, did they want more people to die? Like, maybe because you're so used to Game of Thrones killing off key characters, but at that point, there were only a couple battles, only a few reasons why people would die. Mm-hmm. So, no, overall, I had no problem. Like, my biggest gripe is with the people who are always like, oh, that finale wasn't very good. I just wasted the last, like, eight years of my life. It's like, crazy talk. Yeah, <laughs> like, no way. You don't have to like the finale, but also you can't retroactively say, you know what, I didn't like the Red Wedding. That was garbage. <laughs> you know, you, you can't yeah. do that. Like. It's like Dexter. I loved that show up until the very end. That showed me the finale of that was just absolute straight trash. Mm. But it doesn't mean I didn't like the seasons that came before that. So, you know, if you didn't like the way Game of Thrones ended, whether it was you didn't like the story they told or you didn't like how quickly they got there, totally understandable. But overall, the body of work was incredibly entertaining and worthwhile. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And, and I remember you tweeting that out. And I 100% agree. Like, you can't just say that that finale sucked and then erase what, like the 80 episodes or that. 90 episodes that existed. Like, that's insane. Like, there are no, it's still do that, though. Like, I don't yeah, no, that's that, that that's a blatant overreaction. Like, that, that's that's really bad. And, and I and I hope, you know, like, I, I think that's probably just emotions. Like, I really hope that they aren't that irrational to just say, like, oh, what a terrible show. Like, that's still <laughs> a really it was still a really good show. I mean, again, it was just an underwhelming 
overwhelming ending. It wasn't um, perfect between Starbucks cups and a water bottle. And like, well, it, it wasn't a perfect show, but it was highly entertaining. Yeah. So that's one point that's kind of hard to defend, right? Like if, you know, if, if someone's sitting over in the corner and they're saying, well, you know what, it's clear, like they just packed it in, right? Like after 18 months, after an 18 month delay, they were just ready to just package this thing up and be done with it. Right. The writing sucked. Like, how can you be so careless with two blatant issues, right? In in two different episodes, two different scenes, two different episodes. Um, That's kind of tough to defend, but at the same time, like, I'm sure that there are other shows where there's been something, you know, like like a cup or just something that didn't belong in the scene and nobody caught it. Or if they did catch it, it just wasn't the hottest show of the last like 10 years or whatever. You oh, know, how it many just eyes were on Game of Thrones and people looking for it? Too many. Of, like I didn't exactly. the coffee Hit cup pickers. when I watched the scene. I'll not be at all. I didn't, no. I didn't see it. I didn't see the water bottle. I did but not. In today's day and age, people go back and maybe they'd like, oh, what was that? And they could go back and find it. I mean, it's, it's careless. <laughs> like yeah. you, you'd like to think there's, there's people who are paid to make sure stuff like that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that Starbucks cup being there didn't take away or didn't detract from that scene in the fourth episode. Yeah. You know, the water bottle no. didn't detract from that scene in the final episode. It's just, just like something that you can laugh at afterwards and say, well, someone should get fired for that. Well, there's no more show then, so I guess it doesn't matter. But, yeah. you know, it's a mistake that didn't, to me, take away from this show. And that wasn't like, a, oh, if they made that mistake, clearly the writing was, you know, half-assed. Like, no. Those are completely different areas of production. And if you don't mm-hmm. like the writing, the writing wasn't always great. It's like people think of Star Wars as this great cinema. The writing in Star Wars mostly sucks. But <laughs> you just like the theater. You like the spectacle, and that makes up for it. So, you know, Game of Thrones, I think, like, I got into it about two years ago. So I can't say right. I got the last, you know, decade of just enjoyment out of it. But uh-huh. I would imagine probably 90% or around that point or that number would say, you know what? Even if we didn't love the way it ended, we still loved that show. It was still really good. Yeah. Did you, um, the HBO had this show and it was kind of a, a mini series, I, I guess you could call it. It was just one season and it, it, they definitely wrapped it all up. Like there was never any intention of it spilling into another season or, or so it seemed. Um, but the show was the night of, did you ever hear this or watch it? No, no, I've been watching Chernobyl lately, but no, I don't know the night of. Oh, yeah, I need to watch that. But so the (laughs) night of, yeah, I I definitely, uh, the night of goes back a couple, maybe three, four years ago now. Um, But John Turturro's in it, and he's a public defender. And the whole the, the whole premise of this story is this very straight edge guy. Uh, I believe he's Muslim and he's like a college kid living in New York City. Uh, very, very straight edge. Right. Never does anything, you know, out of the out, out, out of the straight and narrow. And one night he he meets like this girl at a bar or something. And the girl gives him I, I think it was like ecstasy or something. I, I don't know. It gives him some sort of drugs. And then they they party and they go back to her house. And he wakes up in the middle of the night to her being stabbed to death. But he, like, blacks out. And so his first reaction is like, oh, my God, did I do this? And then right. he's trying to piece it together. And he, like, runs out. And, well, so then, you know, long story short here, it gets pinned on him. And so those first few episodes, it's just like, oh, my God, like, that is amazing TV. Like, what a great idea. Like, how is this kid going to get out of it? Like, you know, because us as the viewers, we know he didn't do it. But, you know, it's like him trying to collect his thoughts and everything. Well, so I guess fast forward and not to ruin it, but it is, I think it ends up being like six or seven, maybe eight episodes. And it is a very underwhelming, very, very underwhelming ending. And that was the case. I think that they bit off more than they could chew. Like they, they didn't, mm-hmm. they, they, they tried to put pack so much in knowing that they only had just called eight episodes and there just ended up not being enough time to, I guess wrap it all up. And, and like Michael K. Williams, you know, big HBO guy. Um, he, he, he's in jail, like helping out this guy. Uh, and it, I don't know. It just, it had the premise of just being such a fantastic show and it ended up being so underwhelming. And the whole point to that is like the night of, it had all the makings of being probably honestly like an all timer because the premise was just so fantastic. And obviously John Totoro, Michael K. Williams, like those guys, those are big names. Yeah. And obviously with the production of HBO, like all of that, I mean, it's, 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 you know, you're getting good, good value out of it. And it ended up being one of the most forgettable miniseries ever. And so I guess the whole point to that is, you know, like, yes, yes, you could argue Game of Thrones, you know, sped up. You know, they they tried to, you know, pack too much in there. 
but back to the point that what we're saying is like there was still so much quality over those eight seasons that you can't just disregard it and now like you know move it move it down uh, move it down a list what i mean like it's definitely still i would say like a top 10 for sure right yeah. i mean there's no way after that ending that you could really devalue it that much no i don't think so and what we're learning and i mean how many shows do people really love the way they finished like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to end an epic show, especially one like this that yeah you know is so creative and legendary and hyped up <laughs> like the hype that went into this season like there was no way it could match that they were never going to deliver they, they on were that. never no. going to be able to meet those expectations yep. so I mean it's it's rare where you see a show end and say man that was great you yep. know what a way to finish this I mean people I think what they talk about um, what mash. I think they like the ending to that or the Sopranos that people hate. Like, I don't like it's all over the map. And just like people like, hated the lost finale. You know? It's, yeah, right. So mm-hmm. it's not to give writers an excuse if they do a bad job. But it's like these guys don't suddenly forget how to write. They don't suddenly forget how to tell their story. But just it's hard to end them sometimes. And, you know, it's I think to your point, like you said, at the beginning, it's like, what did people want this to end like? And maybe what people had in mind wouldn't have been good either. Like, this was the story they told, and they probably should have taken a little bit more time telling it. But mm-hmm. where they got, I think, was perfectly acceptable, if not enjoyable. Besides, watching King's think- Landing get destroyed by Drogon was pretty cool. That was nuts. Yeah, it was really. I mean, again, th- th- this season there there were a lot of awesome moments in this season. The right, getting so, like, melted down was sweet too. Yeah, that's that whole pretty scene nuts. Was so tense with Drogon and Jon Snow after he killed Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. is he going to burn him? Is he going to eat him? Is he going to try to burn him? And he's not going to burn. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, yeah, just you can live, but screw the throne. You know, like that mm-hmm. was cool. Yeah. So I I think you know just to wrap this thing up. I think that when you get to a situation like this as a show and you're the writer and you've just had wild success, it's almost a lose-lose situation because I don't think that you're ever going to meet the expectations when you have just hit home run after home run after home run. You know, the, the Sopranos is a great example of that, that you mentioned, right? The, the Sopranos, um, and I, and I actually think, I actually think the mood has kind of changed on the Sopranos like just time. because it's so yeah, it was it's just so jarring. And actually, I, I maintain the position that, that that ending of The Sopranos was probably like the best that you could that, that, that you could have. Right. Because I never watched the, the show, so I can't even. Oh, wow. OK. I can't corroborate uh, your point or argue against it. Oh, my it. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so offensive. All right. You need to. I'm so sorry. That, that this is OK. We won't talk about it here then, but you go, you have to watch the Sopranos. They just had the 20th anniversary and that, you know, like that, that, that I think has, um, that was 20 years about. ago. The debut was it oh, first geez. debuted in 29, uh, we're in 2019. It first debuted in 1999. Yeah. Well, but it wrapped like up. I haven't had time to watch it. That's why I'm okay. <laughs> you, uh, do yourself a service this, this off season, right? But before last chance you airs and stranger things and all that other binge watching stuff. I've never watched stranger things. Do you like the Goonies? I do. Okay. All right, Adam. This is we're we're going to change topics here. <laughs> Let's get back to U of A where we can all agree. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, for for our listeners, and I want to make sure that we we keep uh, keep Adam honest here. The Sopranos and Stranger Things. So that that is his homework for the summer. Oh uh, boy. Uh, moving on, yeah, because I mean, this is a U of A sports podcast, so we should probably get away from pop culture for a minute. Um, as far as U of A news goes, Adam, uh, there was some news this week. Devin Air Dutrieve uh, is officially going to transfer. Now, uh, over, over the course of the season, you know, we obviously teetered with the idea just because we knew how much firepower was coming in uh, in this upcoming class. Uh, and Sean Miller was somewhat, you know, critical of his size, his defense, him just really not being ready as a true freshman. Showed flashes, right? But overall, just pretty inconsistent. Um, I personally, I'm, I'm kind of sad to see him go because I definitely think that, you know, uh, he he would have, he would have been buried on the bench this year, right? So I, I think it's definitely the right decision for him. I, I don't think there's two ways about that. But it definitely felt like, uh, you know, Debonair, he, he could have been a three, four-year player. And him as a senior, pack on like 20 pounds. And after three years of, of you know, especially practicing with, with this caliber of class that's coming in uh, next year, it's kind of sad to see him go. But uh, I, I think he's making the right decision. Yeah, it's, he's the guy I think we all have an appreciation for just because he was the first guy to sign with Arizona after that whole dumpster fire 
that happened, and he's, he was only made okay to go to Arizona. Of course, other guys followed for last year's team, which wasn't that great, but then we saw what happened with his next, this upcoming class, and he was also a player who we could see the athleticism, you could see the raw ability, but it absolutely makes sense why he did this. And I know there are people like, oh, Arizona needs guys who will stick around three or four years, and like that's 100% true. But most guys who stick around for three or four years are still playing a decent amount. And Dutree yeah. probably wasn't going to play much this season. And you have to think Arizona's going to be recruiting at that same high level again for the next year. And that's not to even say we don't know how many of this year's freshmen are going to come back for their sophomore seasons. But if you're Dutree, it's easy to see a reason or a way where it's like, I'm not going to get much playing time over my t- you know, the duration of Arizona. Maybe by a, a senior year, you know, when he's just like, since Sean Miller likes playing some seniors, but... No, I totally understand why he would look to transfer. And at the same time, Arizona, I think, was either kind of encouraging it or ready for it, anticipating it with getting guys like Max Hazard to come in and Jamal Baker, who I know isn't going to play this season, but he does take a scholarship. So yep, it's exactly this is one right. of those where I think every Arizona fan wanted to see what Dutree would be as a junior and as a senior because you just see that potential. But you mm-hmm. can't, I guess if it, and I'm not, I don't know the, I don't know the, behind the scenes if Arizona kind of forced him out or if he made a decision I hope that I hope Arizona didn't force him out because I don't like that mentality for teams to do that right but like you can't pass up some great talent possibly coming in like Darrell Baker's supposed to be good Max Hazard is going to help you this season you can't pass up guys like that on the hope that two years from now Dutrieve is going to be a major contributor because the team you're putting together this next season at least on paper is loaded looks like a final four contender so like you need talent, you need good players, and you can't pass up getting more good players in hopes that your raw players will become good players. So, you know, I think I could probably speak for most Arizona people and say we wish this guy luck. Absolutely. Uh, no ill will towards Dutrieve at all. You hope he goes somewhere else, you know, not ASU or somewhere in the Pac-12, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, but right. you hope he goes somewhere else and succeeds because he was the guy who made it okay to go to Arizona. Yeah, he's always going to hold a special spot in my heart, and I'm sure I can speak for you, everyone else, just because of you know what leading up to uh, you know two off seasons ago now uh, was, and just how dramatic all of that was uh, for the fan base. And you know, Devin Air Dutrieve, you know, I remember sitting here probably what this time last year, uh, sitting here talking about Devin Air Dutrieve and, and and just what a big what a big signing, what a big commitment that was for the program because mm-hmm. you know he wasn't a five star guy, but I mean he was a four star guy, and you can tell like I mean he he's he is a solid talent, right? He, he's just a little raw. And he made it okay to sign to to sign with Arizona after everything that's uh, going on, and you know, with everything going on, right? Like, uh, so it 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 was definitely um, he holds a special spot in my heart for sure. Um, very similar though to Emmanuel Acott, right? Like the writing's just on the wall. Well, you know, Acott like, was no playing. I guess that's the one thing. Like he he was starting. True. You mm-hmm. know, and I know he wasn't playing thirty minutes a night, but he was starting on a team that I guess last year's team probably could have used him. Like especially yeah. when Jeter went down right after he transferred. So I don't know if I would make it a direct comparison. But for sure. these guys, if you have if you have NBA dreams, like if you think you're going to play at the next level professionally, then you need to play in college. So this mm-hmm. isn't like uh, Nick Wise, who probably knew he wasn't going to turn, you know, wasn't going to the NBA after U of A, but he was still starting point guard at U of A. Why wouldn't he stick around for his senior year? Dutrieve mm-hmm. wants to play. And... Unless he saw, if he saw the right arm, maybe Miller told him, "Yeah, man, it's going to be tough to find you minutes next year." Yeah, you know with this class coming in, if you hope, I would trust he was honest with him. And Dutrieve looks and says, "Okay, well, you know, I like it here. Yeah, you know, I wanted to play here for a reason, but if I'm not going to play, then yeah, I might be getting better on the sidelines, but I'm not showing what I can do on the floor, you know, in games. So, unless Arizona forced him out, and I don't know if that's how that would work, but unless Arizona forced him out, I am totally fine with everything that happened with this." with Dutrieve and him leaving. I would think that they didn't force him out because I do think that there are still things that you could do behind the scenes because obviously the magic number was 13, right? Uh, you, you had, they had to get, well, get, they had to lose some scholarships. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Pending the whole Brandon Randolph thing. Right. So, but if you assume Brandon random Brandon Randolph is still on the books with Devin air Dutrieve, and then the two you just picked up Baker and, uh, and hazard, you know, you're at 15, right? So you had to reduce by two. So the whole idea is that is that Brandon Randolph will not be coming back, right? I mean, he hasn't made it official yet, but I mean, same as him, like it's kind of on the wall. So that's going to be tough for him. Uh, Devin Air Dutrieve, I, I, I think that the, when, when you get to that point where you just have to find one scholarship, 
it kind of feels like, and, and obviously, I'm I'm totally speculating here. Like, I have no inside information at all on this, but it kind of feels like you should be able to at least convert somebody from athletic scholarship to academic. And especially when you have someone like Chase Jeter or Stone Gettings who transferred from Cornell, you have some very, very bright people that would very likely qualify uh, for, excuse me, for academic scholarships. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't really feel like that would be that much of a bridge to, or excuse me, that, that much of a gap to bridge uh, when it comes to, you know, the benefits associated with, you know, uh, ath- athletic scholarship to academics. So, but again, totally speculating, not sure. I personally, I, I don't, I don't buy that, that it was being forced out. And I, and I know you're not saying it was one way or the other. It just doesn't feel like that's the case because, you know, Sean Miller is even, there, there's a quote of him out there on, uh, in, in the daily star, I think Bruce Pascoe posted something and, you know, Sean Miller even said, you know, like Devin Air and his family, uh, hold a very special spot, you know, with us, you know, especially after everything that we had gone through leading up to his commitment. So, um, you know, you, you got to feel like, you know, Sean Miller can obviously be a hard ass from time to time, but that's pretty, that's some pretty tough love. So, that's known. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, we'll yeah. always have his put back, Dutri's put back against Oregon State. You it's know, awesome. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, you look at this question, I don't know the differences between like the athletic scholarship and the academic one. I was never eligible for either. Yeah. So right. I don't know if it's, you know, how much different it is if you're on one or the other. And, but I think to that point, yeah, if you need to create room, there's always ways and, yeah, you know, certain, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, why doesn't Alex Barcelo transfer?" Like he seems like the, you know, he's I think going to be the new pick guy people pick on. But he's the guy who probably says, "You know what? I like being in Tucson. I like playing under Sean Miller. I practice against these guys, and is fine not getting more than maybe five or six minutes here and there." Sure, he'd like to play more, but he's comfortable with his role on this team. And for some guys, that's not enough. And for the guys who it's not enough for, that's understandable. It's like Justin Simon, I saw he's going to stay in the NBA draft when he transferred because he saw he wasn't going to get playing time, and now he's going to have a shot at the NBA. He played really well you know, after yeah. he transferred. So these kids, as much as we want them to be great for Arizona, they still have their own futures to look after. And a lot of times they make mistakes. You know, a lot of times they go, I mean, look at Jordan Brown. He went to Nevada last year. He's already looking to transfer. Mm-hmm. So, and I know Arizona's in on him, which might mean more scholarship wiggle room, but you know, some of these kids, like, they don't always make the good, the right decision. You never know. The grass isn't always greener. But if he just said, you know what, I want to play, and it's not going to happen in Tucson, I get that. You know, and that's because it's not going to happen in Tucson because Arizona has rebounded from their recruiting issues and been able to sign just elite talent. And Dutrieve might be that type of level player in a year, in two years, but he's probably not going to be there this year. So if you're Sean Miller, how can you even promise him minutes? Like if you yeah. say, coach, how much do you think I'm going to play next year? If you're Miller, what can you tell him? Yeah, you got to be know? honest there. And, yeah, and at the same be. time, I mean, he, he knows the answer to that question. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you have just, to ask that question, so, you know the answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, just to circle back and not to spend too much time on this with Alex Barcelo, because out of respect for him, he obviously is still with the program. Um, and that very well may be the case, right? Like what you laid out there that he is just, he's just content, you know, like he enjoy, he loves, he loves U of A, uh, and he, he loves this big time D one experience. I totally get it. And those are guys um, you like to have as juniors and seniors on your roster. Totally. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm with you there. I guess in my mind, it's just like, man, Barcelo, don't you know that you could go to GCU and play for Thunder Dan and just be like the whack player of the year? You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't you realize that you could just go there and then what bring, bring this school to the, to, to, to the big dance for the first time in school history? You know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, again, it, it's, it's give and take, right? There's a balance there and I'm sure, I'm sure I'm, I'm being overly simplistic with the whole thing, but, uh, but that, <laughs> that's always something that. that crossed my mind. Yeah. So All right. that's, this is the right kind of this is the right kind of basketball news, right? I mean, here we are at yeah. the end of May. We're about to enter June, and if the biggest news for Arizona is you know maybe getting a transfer or Dutrieve or you know Dutrieve transferring or Brandon Randolph staying in the NBA draft, like from where we were maybe two months ago, <laughs> like this this is Nirvana. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this absolutely. Is what we yeah, want no, to be talking <laughs> I, about. I will take this. Yeah, we are not too bent out of shape about a four-star guy coming into college with what we saw this year with a lot of upside leaving the program, right? Like we're not, not bent out of shape about that. There was a trial going on and other mm-hmm. recruiting stuff. Like right now, it seems like Arizona basketball is where Arizona basketball is traditionally. You know, yes. great class coming in, maybe losing talent because there's more talent on the way. Like that's, that's how high-level programs should be operating. So where we are on May 28th as we record this, 
Arizona basketball is where Arizona basketball traditionally is, where we want to see Arizona basketball. It's exciting stuff. Uh, all right, the alternative. Yeah, yeah, and and we got a little glimpse of what the alternative was, <laughs> and we want nothing to do with that. So, nope. uh, all right, Adam. So that's good there. Let's uh, let's transition to the beta ranks and walk through Arizona football here according to Rob's beta ranks. Uh, but before we do, let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Adam. So the beta ranks, as introduced by Rob and Bryant on probably what I, I know, like the last three or four podcasts, they've really been doing deep dives into these uh, different angles, you know, offense, defense, looking at the Pac-12 as a whole, uh, you know, defensive coordinators, uh, th- th- that whole bit um, for all of the, uh, you know, for, for all the number loving fans out there, we're not going to take that deep of a dive. We're going to keep it kind of high level. Um, so if you like the deep dive, go ahead and shut it off here or actually don't shut it off. Maybe just mute it and then let this play through because we still need the hits for our downloads. But <laughs> just put it uh, on the background or something. Yeah, go, go yeah exactly. Something, make some launch some dinner, wherever time you're at. And yeah, but leave uh, it playing, though. Ultimate time for uh, for multitasking. But for everyone else who likes to keep it high level, this is going to be your segment. So uh, as as mentioned, Rob has done a great job, uh, and and we're referencing this on WildcatRadioAZ.com, our website. Uh, let, the 2019 Arizona projections, right? Um, as a whole, right? Offense, defense combined, the beta rank has them 60th best in the country, right? The 2018 Arizona team actually finished number 76. So slight improvement. Yeah, slight, slight improvement. Uh, The 55th best offense, according to the model, Uh, the defense, uh, number 66. We saw ups and downs last year. Uh, Not really too bent out of shape. I mean, I totally get it, right? I I think like the whole mantra of this model is play better, uh, get ranked higher, right? (laughs) I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. And I think that's. That's a pretty simple mantra, and I can definitely get behind that. That makes sense. Um, Adam, The you know all of that sounds fine. If, if you say your beta rank, 60th in the country, fine, right? And especially if you're comparing it to where Arizona finished last year, uh, finished the season last year. 60, though, still doesn't sound that sexy, right? I mean, no. obviously, that's not going to get you very far when the Pac-12 win total proje- projection is uh, just a, a tick over three. So that's saying that... Uh, if all this plays out due to rounding, you would say that we would be at best four and five, right? If, if you're saying, well, obviously you can't win a partial game and you just round all the way up, not even including, you know, well, is it greater than 3.5 and rounding to the nearest full win? I mean, it's four and five is best case scenario. According to the model, the likely scenario would be three and six, which does not sound great right now. Obviously when you jump into the schedule, it kind of starts making a little bit more sense. So uh, one thing to also point out here uh, for anyone who's maybe following along on the website and using this visual that's found on the beta ranks link on wildcatradioaz.com. Um, you'll notice un- under the Arizona schedule table, there's only 11 games. And the reason for that, Rob omits any FCS opponents and just assumes that's 100% probability uh, for the win, right? Like that's a surefire and good Lord, right. Adam. Yeah. Good Lord, Adam. It better be. Otherwise, Oh man, I don't even want to actually think about that. So let's just assume that that's why you're not, well, let's not assume I mean, that's why, right? So, but let's just assume NAU surefire win better be. So if you start though at the top with Hawaii in week zero, which again, it's kind of exciting that they're going to be playing in week zero because you know, it kind of, I, I, I know I'm, I'm going to digress here a little bit, but I know it's kind of exciting, you know, Labor Day weekend and all of that, you know, big, big kickoff for college football. But it kind of sucks waiting that long, especially when the NFL has preseason going on and mm-hmm. you're just kind of getting in the mood. I like it being one week early. How, how do you feel about that? I'm pretty sure we've talked about this, but do you, do you care? Would you rather it be Labor Day weekend? I mean, I'm excited for this season, so I, yeah. I want to see them play as soon as possible. So, you know, under the, that premise, under that, I guess, idea, I'm excited for them to be playing in week zero. 
Yes, you good. Know, it's also a winnable game, which is nice. Very it's winnable. Like, like last year, I was excited for the week one, and they lost to BYU. So it wasn't as yeah, that good. That was, that was a considerable letdown. But if they come out and stomp Hawaii, then it's like now you get an extra week to feel good about yourself. Absolutely. You, know, you get now because, yeah, you, like that's, that's nice. You know, so win that game, and it's a totally worth it. Lose that game, and oh, boy. But, yeah. but no, mm-hmm. I, I'm totally cool with them playing that game so long as they win it. I'm excited because the other thing, too, is normally on Labor Day weekend, right, we kick off at like 8 p.m., and you wait all day. Well, at least we'll know in the morning that hopefully we should be 1-0 and entering that day, right? So just an extra bye week. So we'll look at it that way. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally pumped for week zero too, but so it's been focusing at Hawaii, even though it's on the road, there is still an 83% chance according to the model that will take care of business. Makes yeah. sense to me. Makes yeah, perfect sure. sense. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I, I can live with that. I mean, looking at the numbers, it makes me really wish I had read Moneyball a little bit more, but <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. Are we, are we going to go game by game or just overall? Cause we mentioned like Arizona's predictively 60th and I, I'm pretty confident they're better than the 60th best team in college football. I do quickly want to go okay. game by game. And, and the reason for that, and, and we'll, uh, or, or, or can I say half and half, because I want to get through the first five games just to make a point. Okay. Let's uh, do it. So at Hawaii, uh, we better win. That's all I'll say. Texas yeah. tech 50, 50 game, but that's at home. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury gone, right. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's just the road. a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Just up the road. He'll probably be there. That'll be exciting. Great. Um, 50, 50, no, 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 right? NAU, surefire. You should worst, win your home games. Like your home you non-conference, your home. you need to win those games. Yep, and it can't be like BYU last year, right? You touched on that. That cannot happen again. So, um, But at worst case, you're thinking two and one with you know no wins over Power 5 schools, and that's why that would be important with the Texas Tech, right? Mm-hmm. Even though they could be, you know, they're, they're comparable in talent, always, you know, recruiting, whatever, um, but they're in a Power 5, so you got to take advantage of those and matchups. They're, they're an unknown, too, with the coaching change. So, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like Arizona last season where there was that expectation, Texas Tech is going to be a bit of an unknown, too, in this game. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so, worst case, 2-1, and one, I'm leaning towards 3-0. and oh. Then, of course, you jump into pack play. And these are the first two games that I want to touch on, and we'll breeze through the rest. But, Adam, um, there is a case to be made because UCLA comes to Tucson. The model tees it up at only a 46% chance of winning, uh, which seems kind of crazy to me. I understand maybe year two for similar reasons for UCLA, for them to be a little higher on them. Obviously, more talent, but they also lost some talent to transfer and stuff. But maybe Chip Kelly and maybe we're just living with the ghosts of what Chip Kelly was, you know, at Oregon. I, I don't know, because last year, I would feel I feel a lot better about Arizona uh, this year than I do about UCLA this year coming off of what both teams did last year. Right. Like, is that kind of nuts to say or is that is that fair? I, I, mean, I, I think it's I fair. Yeah. Like, I do trust Chip Kelly, and UCLA is not going to be nearly as bad as they were last year. And Arizona should have beat them last year on the road, if not for, you know, Rhett Rodriguez being the quarterback and J.J. Taylor just fumbling like he'd never fumbled before in that game. Yeah. So, you know, but I think both UCLA and Arizona are in that same mold where it's like, I think it's fair to say or to assume that each of them are going to be better than they were last season. The question is how much so. You know, it is the ghost of Chip Kelly. We know what his teams have done before. And if UCLA starts to resemble that, then I think it's going to be a great game. Like, that seems like mm-hmm. a really exciting game. But in terms of like it being 50-50, yes, I understand you give the edge to the home team. But certainly it's a game that I would look at and say that's a guaranteed win. It's definitely not a guaranteed win, but I also think that there's something to – Khalil Tate, right? So a lot of this whole thing, you know, Southern California, LA area, fine. Um, but last year, I, you know, I, I think that that team really does believe, and a lot of those guys are coming back. A lot of the UVA guys are coming back uh, from last year's team, and that team I, it has to believe that if Khalil Tate, I mean, I don't even, I don't even want to say just you know played, or if you want to say like if he was healthy, like if he even played at eighty percent. It's it's somewhat likely, I think, right, that, that they would have taken care of business. I mean, mm-hmm. with Red Rod only being able to complete, you know, just like those slants and just like those little swing passes out of the uh, out, out of the backfield, they still only lost by a point, and they had the ball driving late, and they just couldn't get it done. But um, you know, obviously, year over year, there's some change, and you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, then then the fifth week, right? You move on to the Boulder game, which is never an easy game. You know, Steven Montez is still there. 
Um, but you know, two years ago, three years ago now, whatever, I mean, Colorado simply outperformed expectation. They caught everyone by surprise. Colorado is still Colorado, right? I mean, and, and, and Quill Tate has just dominated Colorado two straight years. I expect that to continue. Adam, it seems crazy after what we saw last year and getting hopes up uh, last year and then maybe reliving this again this year. Um, what is the likelihood that this team starts 5-0? and Ooh. I mean, I, Hawaii and NAU should be wins, right? Yep. So that's yep. two. Texas Tech, I would lean towards win. So that's yep. three. UCLA, I'm curious to see what they look like. Mm-hmm. And Colorado, that's tough because even the game last year was close. Yeah, it was. Um, think they were missing their top receiver too. Shin out. I'm blanking on his. He name. was. Yeah, like yeah. He didn't play in that game, or he didn't play much, or something. So, you know, it's it's hard to say because I think you're coming from the mindset, and it's one that I tend to share, is that Arizona's going to be pretty good this season. Yeah. You know that the team we saw for most of last season with an injured Kulo Tate isn't a team we're going to see this year. But right now, the teams are playing like I get these fifty fifty. Looking at the beta rank, like I understand why the win probability numbers are where they're at because. Would I favor Arizona to go to Colorado and win that game at this moment? Probably not. So I think four and one is doable. Three and two at that point is the most, I guess, the safest play. Five and oh, I have a hard time saying that they're going to beat Texas Tech, UCLA, and Colorado. Mm-hmm. But not one of those games is like one where you look and say there's no chance. So yeah. if the Wildcats look more like the team we, they were towards the end of last season, minus the last five minutes of the ASU game, or at least the team we thought they'd be <laughs> at the beginning of this season when the expectations were high, then yeah, I think they can be five and oh, no problem because no one in those first five games is a dominant team. You say, Oh, Arizona can't beat them, mm-hmm. but there's also outside of Hawaii and NAU. I don't think any team there say that's a guaranteed win. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I'm also kind of to the point of, I don't want to sound like a crazy Homer guy. Um, <laughs> this and, is the time to do it though. <laughs> I, I guess that's true. It is the time to do it, but um, you know, I, I really ate some words last year and yeah, uh, as I'm did. sure as a lot of people did. And I just, you know, for the sake of, um, you know, don't touch the stove twice type thing, you know, like <laughs> touch it once you learn your lesson. Um, uh, for that exact reason, I'm not going to say that I feel great about a five and O start. It's certainly not out of the question, but it definitely feels like a four and one, uh, it feels pretty likely, right? Like yeah, at, at take worst going one. through that four and one. Absolutely. And, and I think that you had better take four and one because now let's go through the next opponents, right? Um, then after Colorado, they return home to take on Washington. Then they travel to USC and then they, or excuse, uh, yes, yes. They travel, they travel to USC, mm-hmm. travel to Stanford, return home for Oregon state. That's that, that one's at home. They're going to beat Oregon state barring some crazy injuries, but they're going to take care of Oregon state. Then they go to Oregon then return home to Utah, which was senior night. And we know a few years ago, I mean, they, they have Utah's number in Tucson. So that one's maybe not too crazy either. Uh, and then they go to ASU. But, uh, I mean, I would say, so what, uh, Washington, USC, Oregon, Utah, four of the last seven games are, are pretty, pretty tough games. And uh-huh. USC is going to be, you know, they're, they're not as good as what we've seen uh, in the past. And they've lost a lot, a lot of depth on defense. There's gonna be a lot of fresh faces. Um, you know, JT Daniels year two, we'll see It's just an overall young team. Um, but the reason that I'm not crazy about that game is because it's on the road. Uh, and even going up to Stanford's no surefire, right? But if you feel better about that one, then say you do going to Oregon, right? So uh, the back half of this schedule or the back seven of these games uh, is, is pretty, pretty tough on the schedule. Yeah, and a lot of that depends on obviously injuries and how good Arizona is or what the improvements are for some of these teams. But no doubt the back half of the schedule doesn't look too inviting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I would never pick Arizona to beat USC really on the road or at home. Like it's, it's just USC. I have a hard time predicting Arizona to beat them anywhere. Stanford yeah. on the road, you know, is going to be really tough. You know, we really haven't seen them play Stanford in a little while. It's been a couple mm-hmm. of years. You know, Oregon State, that should be a win at Oregon. Arizona, historically, and we saw last season too, plays Oregon tough, at least tougher than they should most years. So I wouldn't predict a win in Odson, but at the same time, you know, it's not the scariest game on that schedule. No, it's not. And Utah, I don't think it's the scariest game on the schedule, especially at home. And then ASU, I think, is going to take a step back this season. But, oh, is it? but yeah. you certainly, like, it's almost like last season we knew going in, it seemed like the schedule was pretty favorable to the Wildcats, and they didn't take advantage, especially early with the non-conference. You know, and 
they did finish strong. I mean, it's funny how with anyone, any one more win, Arizona's going bowling. You know, yeah. they held on against ASU. If they would have beat BYU, if they would have beat UCLA, if they would have come back against USC, just one more win, they were a bold team. Two more wins, and all of a sudden people are like, hey, this was a good season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to take advantage of those winnable games. And, you know, I guess midway through last season, we thought, well, maybe Arizona's just not a good team. Therefore, there's no such thing as a must-win or a should-win game. But, you know, if you do think the Wildcats are going to be better this season, I think with a healthy Khalil Tate, they will be. Then there are certain games, those first five games, four and one is the minimum just because you know that you might only win two or three of the rest of the schedule. Mm-hmm. And you have to go to a bowl game this year. Yes, uh, you absolutely. Have to go to a bowl game. So, I mean, if you can win five, the first five, then you made your life a lot easier. Of course, you win the first five, you might find yourself ranked just because. You know, five weeks in, how many teams are going to be five and oh? Power five teams anyway. But, yeah, right. But just you kind of need that momentum that they never quite got last season. You know, mm-hmm. they started to build a little bit late in the season, especially when Tate got back. But they're just a slow start. Losing those first two games, especially the second game, we just got smoked by Houston. Yeah. Like, it set such a bad tone to things. It's like they're kind of they're playing catch-up most of the way to where it left, where if you went to UCLA and lost that game because of an injured Khalil Tate or fluky fumbles or whatever it may be, well, that kept you out of a bowl game. You know, because you blew that game against ASU that you had, but 94 different things had to happen for you to lose that game, and they all happened in the fourth quarter. But because it happened, you did not go to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the margin for error is so slim when you're not otherworldly talented. And Arizona's not, but I think they're plenty good enough to win four of those first five, maybe all five of those, and then make at least the back of their schedule. You still, I mean, if you win the first five, you want to keep it going. Yeah, but right. at the very least, for your expectations, if you're thinking seven wins, eight wins, you win four of the first five, all five of your first games, then all of a sudden those goals are more easily attainable. Even even the Washington game. Now, I, I know Washington is by far the most talented team that Arizona will play in the regular season next year. But, I, I you know, they have a history of choking in the state of Arizona, not even necessarily in Tucson. Obviously, you know, we've seen them struggle at uh, at ASU in Tempe as well. So uh, something to keep an eye on there, you know, going back to that three and nine team, right? Uh, what, three years ago? Uh, Rich Rod second to last year. Uh, they took Washington to overtime and mm-hmm. probably should have had him. Probably should have. Yeah. So, um, you know, nothing strikes me. It doesn't strike me as a terribly difficult schedule. It's the, the pieces are interesting. And I think a lot of it is just because there's a lot of unknowns with even, even within the opponents. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I definitely see seven wins here. Um, and, and I don't know necessarily to which teams it just feels like <laughs> it, ju- it just feels like if everybody stays healthy, you should be able to pick them off. Right. Because Hawaii NAU and Oregon state, I mean, right there, those are three surefire wins in my opinion. So now you're only trying to close the gap. And if you're trying to close that gap to six, you have to find three more between a Texas tech, UCLA, Colorado. Um, I mean, ASU, Utah, Utah at home on senior night, uh, Quill Tate's last game at Arizona stadium. Uh, you know, even Stanford, you know, we don't know necessarily where Stanford's going to be. Um, you know, Stanford's kind of interesting because typically, you know, we're used to playing Stanford with rich rods, you know, high pace, uh, you know, just smaller guys mentality versus David Shaw's, you know, smash mouth football. Yeah. And, you know, and this year it's going to be different, right? Like Kevin Sumlin is trying to establish that similar type of smash mouth football. So uh, it, it won't necessarily be a clashing of styles. So we'll, we'll see how that goes too. But yeah, no, o- overall, I mean, I, I think that, I, I think that everybody should certainly expect uh, improvement from the five and seven. And a lot of that has to do with getting off to a hot start, right? The model has them currently, 5.68 wins rounding up to the six fine um six and six you can see it there too um yeah no i don't know i i, I thought that would just kind of a fun exercise just to get get the uh get, get the old wheels turning a little bit as we're less than three months from from week zero i know we got still ways to go here but that's always fun to look at well if nothing else it'd be nice for them to get up to a hot start so you can feel good about the team and yeah even right last season when they started to win some games late you're like yeah but it's probably too little too late you know when they beat Oregon, you're like oh now they could maybe make a bowl game. But when they beat Oregon, when they beat Colorado, you're like, oh, this is yep. maybe a thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, up until that point, the whole season was just kind of like a, uh, you know, just slogging through. Yeah, you beat Southern Utah, great. You beat Oregon State, great. <laughs> yeah. You know, you barely beat Cal at home, fine. You know, but like it just, they never really had any momentum where you felt really good about anything. Mm-hmm. So even if it's a 
fast start against some very bad opponents. You know, yeah, it, beating Hawaii isn't anything to write home about. NAU clearly not. Texas Tech isn't going to be great this season, and UCLA probably won't be the top of the Pac-12 South, and even Colorado. You know, it's they may not be the best wins of the season, but at least they'll have you feeling good, feeling positive about Arizona football. And since they get to start things before basketball does, you know, at least for the men's sports, because the women's sports have been great. You know, yes, golf and, that's true. You know, made a great run. Softball has a chance as we record this to do something. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just be nice to have football get off to a fast start just so Arizona fans can feel some positive energy towards one of these big money-making, you know, money sport teams, revenue sport teams, because especially the way last football season went, like, I think it got interesting late, but interesting is different than exciting. And if they win their first two games, three games, four games, suddenly you start to build excitement. And it may not last because the schedule does get tougher, as you talked about, and as the beta rank shows. But at the very least, you'd go into that brutal part of the schedule saying, well, maybe if Arizona can steal a couple of these, where can this season go? Adam, thank you so much for bringing up softball, by the way. And my apologies to the softball team for not mentioning this. Um, by the time this post, we're actually recording this on Tuesday, May 28th. Uh, by the time this post, um, this will be in time uh, to catch the game the following day on Thursday, May 30th, as as the, as the Wildcats, as the softball team has made it to the College World Series and will be taking on the third ranked Washington Huskies, right? So it'll be a little, it'll be a battle uh, of, of PAC 12 opponents in the college world series. So uh, best of luck to all of them. And yeah, no, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's been uh, for, for, for all of the depressing moments of the men's side of things. Uh, the, the women's side of the equation has really, has, has really made things exciting for Arizona athletics. So hopefully, hopefully they keep it going. Um, good job by Arizona baseball for, you know, Closing out strong, oh, too little, too late. That was brutal to watch. Too no, little, they, too late. Didn't it's, make it's, it. It's, it's one. It's one of those situations where it's like, man, if they had made it, you know, they were so hot at the right time. Yep. If they had made it, what could have been? But you know what? You only have yourself to blame, right? Win more games. It's pretty simple. Like they so probably should have got in over TCU, but at the same time, if you're trying to get just one spot, like, yep. I think Jay Johnson said that too. Like you have to make it impossible for the committee to leave you out. Yep. And Arizona, obviously, they struggled mightily the first part of the season. Really, it was only the last month and a half where they got going, and they really got going. They really got going, but, but yeah, no, you know, win two, more games. Being too little too late. We hoped, we hoped mm-hmm. it was enough, but it obviously wasn't. For whatever reason, the committee decided it was not enough for them. So hopefully next year should be better. I imagine next baseball season will be better. They played so many freshmen this year and yep. lost guys to injuries where they have to be better next season, like much, yep. much better. A lot, lot of talent returning, and uh, yeah, and then especially you know re- returning from injuries as well. So that, that it's a key piece. But uh, but yeah, Adam. So so best of luck to the to the softball team. Uh, we will keep you updated either ourselves or or Brian Rob will keep you guys updated on that. But yeah, be sure to watch. Obviously, that'll be on ESPN. Uh, so bear down, softball team, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you next week.